Hello and welcome, Nige and Hev of Chupacabra to hey. Talking Bollocks. Hello. Great to be here. Thank you. Uh, it's absolute pleasure to have you. Is it a pleasure to have you as well, Hev? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having us. <laughs> <laughs> first, first edit of the podcast quite early there. Um, <laughs> Um, sorry sorry no no it's all right it's okay um for those uh, for those of you listening we um we've had a bit of a chat for about sort of 15 minutes um well actually no the two of them have had to listen to me droning on but um uh so we've we've had a we've had a little bit of a uh a tete-a-tete and um so first of all okay um i have the ep the reason i have the ep is because i got in touch with nige the reason i got in touch with nige is because dx Ferris is, as we all know, he's everybody's pal, Ferris. Um, yeah. And uh, but he was mine first. <laughs> um, sure. So so I um, uh, obviously, as soon as the name appeared in the podcast, um, I started to get interest. And um, so how the hell, how did you get together? I know nothing about the band, okay? I know okay. nothing other than I've listened to three tracks and Nige, you do the, you know, you do the stuff for... Um, uh, for DX and, and and that's it. Do you right. want to do the story, Nigel? Yeah, well, so, well, the band, so basically Heather and I have known each other for a number of years. We've played in a few bands together, um, not so much in the thrash area, but more in the kind of, it was more like a doom band, stonery band. And the, kind of the reason for that was really because um, our singer was a real kind of, had a, a former singer, had a real sort of Sabbathy style to his voice. And so that, that's kind of where it naturally went. And we did a bunch of gigs and we did some recording and stuff. Didn't really go anywhere. And as as always happens, you know, band broke up um, and then COVID happened. And so everything kind of just shut down, obviously. And during COVID, basically, um, it was, you know, life was pretty boring. And I was like... I hear from you for like a year, did I? Yeah, right. I never mean, went to ground for like a year and you were gone. You know, and I had some personal stuff going on and things. But anyway, but during that, I was like, well, I'm going to I'm going to write a thrash album because it's something that even though I'm, you know, I'm an old yeah. guy. So I was around in the 80s and remember it all the first time around. Um, but I'd never kind of really sat down and written a thrash album. Right. So I thought that's what I'm going to do. So it was almost like it started out as a project of, well, we don't know how long lockdown's going to last. We're not, you know, we're not playing live, not going to gigs, not doing anything. I want to do something to kind of keep being creative. And so, yeah, yeah. so I kind of set myself a weird goal of of doing like, let's see if I can write a song every couple of weeks, you know, write it and record it. Yeah. I have some rudimentary production skills, you know, and a basic kind of studio at home. So I just started writing. And the first couple of songs were actually, you know, I thought were okay. And then the third thing that I wrote, is the song that became Burn the Clowns, which is the first single that we released a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and that was the moment where I, so I listened, I recorded that and it came pretty quickly and I recorded it all and arranged the riffs and stuff. This, there was no vocals at this point. And I was just like, wow, actually, I think that actually sounds pretty good. You know, I was actually quite surprised. And I was like, cause usually I think that everything I do is shit, right? <laughs> um, but I listened to it and I was like, Oh, actually, this is pretty good. And I came back to it like three or four days later, and I'm like, oh, fuck, this is this still sounds pretty good. Now, originally, what I was going to do was do everything myself. But the problem was there was this big elephant in the room, which is I cannot fucking sing at all. And I don't just mean I can't sing like Bruce Dickinson. I can't do anything. I can't do melodic vocals, 
cookie monster vocals, thrash vocals. I just can't do any of it. So there was, so as I kind of went on, I was a bit like, I've got to, I've got to address this because otherwise all this music that I was writing, which I felt sounded promising, I was like, well, it's all going to be fucking ruined as soon as I start shouting all over it. So that's yeah. why I'm in touch with Heather and it was just like, hey, I'm doing this thing. I really need your vocals. Um, and as I said, so Heather, Heather would be the, Heather's a great bass player. Um, as well as an amazing vocalist. And Heather had been the bass player in the band previously, but she'd also done some backing vocals. And then when we tried, we tried to kind of get something else up and running before COVID, but it didn't really kind of go anywhere. But Heather had started doing a bit more vocals than that. And I was thinking, fuck, man, Heather's vocals are great, which is why I got in touch with with her. So yeah, Heather, I don't know if you want to carry on at that point. Yeah, it was really, really wild because um, obviously lockdown happened and nobody really saw anybody, did they? So it was kind of... Um... You know, I didn't think anything of it, but yeah, Nigel went to ground for like a year, or I hadn't, I just hadn't heard from him. He was just sort of, he'd gone, and then he just popped up. It was like, I've got this thing. What do you reckon? Do you want to try some vocals on it? I listened to it. I was like, Holy shit! <laughs> that's what you've been doing. This is amazing. Yeah, of course I want to do vocals. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's how it happened. Really, it wasn't, it wasn't like a band. There was no intention behind it. It was just, mm-hmm. just purely for for the creation of it it was my chance it was the first time I'd ever tried um, lead vocals so I I just had this whole blank canvas to just wow the world with it was great so um, well well I can tell you I can tell you bang up job thank you absolutely bang up job thank you and um you know I'm I'm I I have no I have no um nothing against female vocals I just don't seem to get along with a huge percentage of female oh, really? vocalist but when i do i absolutely commit <laughs> you know um overcommit um but it, it, and i i love the vocals honest je- oh, genuine... i was wondering which way i was going to go then thank yeah, you yeah, me too <laughs> me too when i well when i was listening i i was, I was listening and i was thinking with the greatest this is the greatest compliment well not a greatest compliment but you know what i mean <laughs> um i i thought i thought i thought it was a female vocalist Maybe I've got that wrong. Maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe I've got it wrong. And that's not to say that, oh, I like your vocals because you sound like a bloke. No, that's not (laughs) it. Because then you start, then you start listening, you know, more carefully and Mm. you pick up on the the, the kind of nuances and everything. They kind of like inverted commas giveaways. Yeah. 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 yeah, Exactly. But I mean, yeah, man, there's great performance. Absolutely fantastic performance on all three songs. Given you've never done lead vocals before as well, you can fuck off back to the base. Yeah? <laughs> Get back to where you fucking belong. <laughs> I love the bass. <laughs> good, good. You should play more of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree, man. And I think that it was quite, it was quite, um, it was quite sweet, really, because I remember when I said to Heather, hey, do you want to do this? And Heather was like, oh, well, you know, I've never done any vocals before. I'm a bit nervous. And she, I remember you saying, like, Heather kept saying, please tell me if it's shit. Tell me if it's shit. <laughs> you don't I'm know like, as a vocalist. I never know. I still don't know. I have to get other people to see. But, you know, I think everything I do is shit. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the first thing, and I was saying, yeah, yeah, don't worry. Like, And I was kind of thinking, look, it's bound to be better than, the, than what I would do, which would be would really be shit. <laughs> and I was like, but I remember the first thing that Heather sent through, I think was just with the, the with the music playing in the background and you kind of basically yelling into a phone. And I think yeah, was, yeah, really high tech. Here's like, a, here's like a first idea. What do you think? And I was a bit like, okay. And I pressed, and I can't, to be honest, I can't remember which song it was now, but... Um, 
it may have been like the verse of Burn the Clowns or something, I think. And yeah. I remember listening to it and just being like, holy fuck, this is amazing. And it was like, and this, I don't mean any disrespect to this, but it was like, it was so much better than I thought it would be. It was like, <laughs> you know, this is amazing, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, I mean. That's awesome though. The fact that you were able to return the compliment that you sent her something that was, that she thought was amazing. And then she said you something that you thought was amazing. Yeah. It's like at that point, the two of you have got to be thinking, yeah, this is this can't just be songs, can it? This can't just That's this it. can't just exist and be and lead to nothing. This has got to lead somewhere. Yeah. Well, exactly. this, I mean, this was two years ago now. Is that right? No, two or three? Two years? Yeah. Two years. So yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't there wasn't really any thought behind it at the time. It was just let's create this thing for the crack you know this yeah and you know well, I think we were, we were both going through a lot of the time so it was for me it was it was so cathartic it was like my therapy oh, right. around, all of my rage and all of my you know everything all the the kind of feelings that I, I had that needed to come out they just went into that that's why it's so angry sounding um I keep joking with Nigel now when I finish the album I, I'm not that angry anymore like yeah, <laughs> it's I'm, gonna be I'm about bunnies and yoga <laughs> oh dear I'm over it now Put her back in lockdown. Put her back in lockdown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Lock her in the vocal booth for a week. That'll soon. <laughs> that'll soon get get her pissed off. Me trying to scratch my way out. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of worried. There's that. There's that. Um, I don't know if you've. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Almost Famous. But you know, there's that bit at the end of Almost Famous where, where um, there's that question is asked: Do you have to be in love to write a love song? Do you have to be sad to write a sad song? And I guess for us, it's like, do you have to be mm. really fucking pissed off and in a really bad place personally to write stuff like that? Because I think when we wrote it, so again, when I did the music as well, I think I was in a pretty bad place personally. And so I think that anger kind of came flooding out of me. But now oh. I'm kind of pretty chilled now. So I'm like, and I'm pretty happy. So it's like, well, hey. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the answer to that question, which is a typical sort of movie question. I've, and do you know what? I've I've never watched Almost Famous. And some people have told me that I really, really should because I'm in a band. And other people have told me I really, really shouldn't because I'm in a band. Um, so, you know, I'll take that under advisement. But yeah, without a doubt. I mean, put it this way. The golden rule of writing, as in writing comedy, writing narrative, you know, uh, screenplays, whatever. The golden rule is write what you know, mm. because that way it's authentic, it's genuine and it will ring true. Mm. So, yeah. you, you, I mean, it's a dumb fucking movie question, mm. basically. Because yeah. anything that you, it has to be genuine, and that's why mm. that's when people really fall for a song and really fall for a band. Is is it's genuine? They identify with the sentiment, the feelings, the subtext, and place mm. their own emotions into it, right. you know, and and their own thoughts. So make every song about them and how it applies to their life. But that's what we all do, yeah, you know. Right. Right. That's what and it's for, it, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I totally agree. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be from the heart. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, well, you can't. Well, you can't be. You can't be a minor and write a song about being a doctor. Yeah. It's that simple. It's mm. that simple. I guess that's why a lot of bands that make it really big on their first, like so, Guns and Roses being a classic example, right? But when, bands that make it really big on their first album and all the songs yeah. are about being on the streets and struggling and this, that, and the other, and then how can they do that when they're suddenly all fucking millionaires and, and you know living in Hollywood? The know? example I always use, which massively dates me, um, is Queensrÿche, um, 
which is Operation Mind Crime, one of the top ten greatest oh. metal albums of all time. I agree, man. Fucking uh, yeah. absolute genius. People getting killed all over the place. Still don't understand the concept. Doesn't matter. Don't care. And um, and then second album, Empire. Oh right. dear. Yeah, yeah, because. Massive success, massive success, bit of time off, and all of a sudden, I'm coming home to my jet city. <laughs> it's one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest drop-offs in form. Um, I agree with you. An attitude, you know, I mean, and it's like Operation Mindcrime is this fucking violent opera. And then and and then you get an album of just sugar. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I hope you're not listening, Jeff. By the way, you are you are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got a lot to be angry about. Uh, there is plenty where that came from. I, I just need to tap into it again. Yeah, it's just it's just getting um. But you know, I think as well. I think lyrically, you know, I think the lyric. I mean, I'm, I guess I would think this, but I think lyrically, the, the lyrics are amazing as well because I think we oh, wanted. Right. For me, I wanted it to be. I wanted to kind of kind of have one foot in like old school thrash, right? Which is what I grew up listening to. Yeah, yeah, which it does. It's a, it's an it's a it's an old school arrangement. Exactly, but I wanted yeah. it to have the other foot in more modern stuff, which I don't mean like modern metal, but I mean more like um, more like the the way that Heather's delivery and the lyrics particularly I guess I didn't want to just go down the old school thrash route of let's talk about Satan and let's talk about sacrificing virgins and all that kind of stuff so I wanted to have a vibe of old school but not necessarily vocally or lyrically or production wise either I guess we realized because I think originally we wanted originally I was just going to produce it all at home and it was going to have a pretty old school vibe simply because I don't have the skills to do to have to make a really modern sounding record right yeah but i think because the because the vocals ended up with it sounding a little bit more modern i think you know heather and i spoke and it was a bit like well hey maybe we should maybe we should get somebody who actually produced this properly so we recorded everything at home but then we got someone to sort of basically mix it and master it and the, this yeah. guy the heather winter yeah, of I think studios is amazing i was using him with another band that I was in and he did such an amazing job um, with the other band, I was like, "Look, this guy, we have to, we have yeah. to get it produced through Winter because he's just, he's brilliant." But the and thing is, as well, is you, you, you could. Sorry to uh, cut across you there, Heather. I, th- I thought you'd finished. Um, the thing is, if you've got, if you've got the performances, then you can hand it to somebody who will make it sound mm-hmm. amazing. But if you, if, if you know, can't fix it in the mix, you can't. If you yeah. haven't got the foundations, there's no point putting a fucking roof on it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and and you know. So that the actual core performances and the core sounds have all got to be there, which they were. So, you know, really, whilst he's done an amazing job, I'm sure if he was on here, he'd be going, guys, I mean, look what you you gave me. You know, I I was like, I'm, you know, that that was a dream. So you can see how it's how it's kind of come together. Yeah, well, thank you. I think it was. Yeah. And I think I'm really pleased that we did that because I wasn't sure to start with whether it was going to lose something by losing the kind of old school thrash vibe that I would had originally been after I wasn't sure whether it was going to be an improvement but actually when when winter sent back the first the first mixes and said see what you think of this and I was literally like holy fuck this sounds incredible and I think we made a couple of tweaks here and there I think there was a couple of guitar things maybe but there wasn't much was there I think I don't think we changed much we were just we just said to this sounds, this sounds fucking huge and way better than I ever could have done you know yeah and that is uh, that is just you know when you hit when you hear something you think fucking hell is that us 
I know. Yeah, I love that when it comes back from the studio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus, is that me? Oh, God. And I think that's really strange as well for me, as you know, because as, as, as we said earlier, you know, it's this started out as really, in some respects, just a way of me alleviating some boredom and venting some inner rage during lockdown. So for it, from, for it to go, I never expected it to even sound as good as it did once Heather started singing on it and then didn't expect it to sound as good again once Winter got hold of it, you know, and produced it properly. And then obviously doing things like talking to you now and I never, this was never in the, in the plan <laughs> when, <laughs> when all the thing with DX, with, with DX Ferris, all that stuff, I mean, I, none of that was anywhere near, there yeah. wasn't any kind of intention or plan. It's just all kind of happened really. Hmm. I, and the weird thing is no, when we were in lockdown, none of us would have been, you know, none of us were sat there going, I wonder what the silver lining to all of this is. Yeah. No. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it was just like black and just horrible. Shit, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, one of the benefits, one of the benefits. Now, speaking of this, speaking of the sound, I have to say, um, first time I heard it from a production point of view and from an actual sound of the band, I was getting um, decapitated vibes. Oh, decap. Thank you yeah. very much. Oh, wow. Great yes. band. Yeah, yeah. Not so much um, the the cancer album, <laughs> um, uh, but more the more the uh, anti cult album. It, it yeah. just kind of sounded like that, which I really liked. Um, um, and I've got to be honest, my main my main gripe with the EP is it's only three songs. Yeah, that's my problem. I haven't finished the rest. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the plan is. So as I said, you know, the plan for what I did was write an album. And so there's actually 11, there's actually 11 songs written. Good. Good. Music, musically. Um, I think a couple of them we've gone back to more recently and thought, they're probably not quite up to standard of the others. So that leaves none. Hmm. Um, we've done these three. I think one song is, there's a song called Queen of Swords, which is, I think, half written, vocal. So basically... Most, most of that's done. Apart yeah. from the breakdown, that's all done, the vocals. Yeah. And also... The new Maleficarum's mainly done. Yeah, so there's, there's two. There's two that are there. Yeah, so this is, this is weird. I feel like I fit. I've weird. I feel like I've slipped into a band meeting Zoom. <laughs> no, at all. It's, it's like um, the music is basically written for let's say let's say nine songs. Um, it's really just a question of and the plan was, let's get three songs out. You know, right? See, see what the reaction is, and the reaction's been, I mean, mind blowing, really. Um, and then the plan now, of course, is to then immediately because the reaction has been so good from people we don't know, as such, such as yourself, as well as obviously, you know, I was expecting it to be, you know, I'm, I'm relatively active on, you know, in metal Twitter or whatever. And I was expecting maybe to get a few kind of people saying, oh, yeah, Nigel, well done, you know, nice job. But it kind of got a much bigger than much bigger than that. We got so much more. We've got so much great feedback from people who don't know us and had no reason to sort of message us and say, this sounds really good. Um, that's awesome. So that's yeah, why we're now cool. going to do another three. We're going to do another three songs, I think, pretty quickly and release them before the end of the year. And then how we how we package that, I don't know. Whether we do all six and do it almost like a mini album, so the three that have been released plus three more, or whether we release three new ones separately and then do it packaged, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. there's there's more music coming. So have you um, uh, have you approached any labels or anything like that? Um, we've had initial conversations with a couple of labels about doing some stuff they approached us yeah. actually cool. um, 
So I can't really say any more at the moment. No, no, but... we'll, we'll we'll talk about that when we finished. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know is the answer, but at the moment it's really just, yeah, it's really just focusing on. So the next single's coming out on the 10th, 11th of July. That's yeah. called Final Time to Die. And then the full EP is released on the 4th of August. And then I think we're going to be starting recording the next, you know, finishing off the vocals for the next three with a view to, I think, getting that out before Christmas. So Cool. Cool. So is that two EPs and an album or is that an EP and an album or? Yeah, as I said, I don't know really. I think we might release them, you know, partly depends on what happens with any sort of label discussions. We might release, we might release them as another standalone three, three song EP, or we might package the three together that we've just done with three more and do that. Then that would become, I guess, a little bit like a mini album or a short yeah. album. It's, you know, same length as Radiant Blood is long enough. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, think, and I think these days, you know, I think these days there's so many albums, particularly in this genre, that are getting released that are only kind of 25, 30, 32 minutes. You know, it's not like albums yeah. are 50 minutes long these days. Well, we're, we're, we're back to decapitated again. Mm. Um, I mean, I, look, it, it, it depends, doesn't it? It depends who you are. I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of, you know, there's plenty of bands putting out ridiculously long albums. Um, yeah. Metallica. Um, but there's plenty of bands that, you know, and there's plenty of bands putting out short albums. It's in, entirely up to you what, you know, what feels best, what, you know, what you're comfortable with. And without having a label, you've got nobody to tell you how it's going to be done. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, we're just, we're just, you know, I think if the past kind of few months have taught me anything, it's just like, you can never really plan to plan for what's going to happen because things can go off in weird directions. And so, yeah. Uh, don't know yet I mean yeah we need to well obviously Heather and I need to talk about it and and any conversations with labels might have an impact as well and we've used a really great PR company Clawhammer who are based in the US but they've been really great at getting stuff on getting it on the radio and and sending it out to, to various media outlets and so on so they may well have an opinion as well but I think you know the answer is we haven't decided yet but it will be something there'll be new stuff coming before yeah. Christmas you know, in some cool. cool, cool. Well, I'm, 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 I look forward to it. And um, yeah, I mean, so is, is there any? Uh, so, but I, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll, we'll have the label discussion um, off air. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about, what about, um, you know, full lineup and gigging and stuff like that? Is that, is that in the future? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of weird because I'd sort of done, you know, well, Heather and I have both played loads and loads of gigs over the years together and 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 in different bands and I'd kind of not really had that in my mind I'd been a bit like I'm kind of done with playing live and because I've always been much more I've always been much more interested in the creative bit than yeah, the studio I bit and yeah I know playing live is you know what everyone's supposed to do and this kind of thing but for me you know I've been I love the sort of writing process I love starting from like a blank yeah logic file or whatever and then yeah. two hours later you end up with a bunch of great riffs and then it's like oh okay that's cool so well you're the you're basically you're the dude who um who leaves after the like first tour and goes <laughs> well yeah do you know what i i understand i love this bit but i can't be having this bit so you know yeah, I mean, I've I'm, done, I'm off i was i was in a band in about this would have been about early 2000s i think it wasn't a metal band it was more kind of like a rock it, not exactly indie, but it had some rocky elements, some Zeppelin elements. But anyway, I was in a band about yeah, but early two thousands, and we did a like a ten day 
tour of like northern Europe, so like Slovenia and it's places, various places in Italy and so on. Yeah. At the end of ten days, I was like, "Fuck this! Just fucking." <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking going home, man. So, and that was pre-Brexit, <laughs> when it was easy to do that well. shit. Oh, man, I'm just like, I don't know. But but having said that, you know, I think, again, the initial intention was it for it just to be a home recording project. Yeah. And while it's true that I still like that side of it the best, I think, I think because of the way things have developed, I think, you know, it's something that we're going to be considering if we can find the right people to complete the lineup, if yeah. we can, you know, so it's like at the moment, I would say at the moment, the priority is getting the music out there and finishing off the recordings and getting those out there. Yeah. But in the future, who knows? Meanwhile, I would love to go out and gig. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like different ends. That I'm like, Nige, come on. I really want to scream, fuck the patriarchy at loads of people. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe, maybe this is, but maybe this is like, this is your moment, Nige, to be the Svengali behind the scenes. And basically <laughs> just like you put, put the band together that's going to tour the songs that you wrote while you can stay at home and... I have suggested that, actually. Yeah, we'll get a stand-in. Yeah, <laughs> We've got Alex on lead guitar, who's great. So it really it's only it would only take a drummer. Drummer and, and Wait, yeah. yeah. Hmm? Drummer and and either either another guitar player or bass, depending on what I did, if I was to do it, you know. And thra and, and thrash drummers, good thrash drummers are but are don't believe the hype, are hard to find. There's yeah. plenty of drummers no, no, who can there's plenty of drummers yeah. who say they can play thrash. Hmm. And and then you then you find out they can't. Yeah. yeah. Do it tighten with flair. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and also consistent and consistently. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, wow, he's fucking amazing, but he needs like a 20 minute rest between each song. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. his shins are on fire. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So that's not going to work live. I mean, I do like to chat between songs, but for fuck's sake. <laughs> Get <laughs> the drum I mean? and massage in between. Yeah, yeah. Our yeah. entire set, our entire set, goddess, the fear, motherly love, good night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, it's not something, you know, it, it, it was something that I was, a year ago, I would have been like, or even six months ago, would have been, nah, not interested. Whereas now, it's a bit more like, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's something I could think about doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll talk him round. I'm wearing him down slowly. Heather's annoyingly persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> it's become a bit of a fan joke where I just pester him continually. To, I'm like, we're being offered this gig, we're being offered this gig. Like, nope, nope, nope. It's quite funny. Well, I've seen, yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely, sorry, go on. Sorry, it just needs to be a big enough gig, I think, and I, and I can, and that'll, that'll, I'll get him. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> One that you just can't turn down and then we'll be live. But I think the other thing is, you know, we've all got, obviously we've all got jobs and life responsibilities yeah. and stuff, so I yeah. don't think we're, we're, we're not in a position where we can all just fuck off on tour for three weeks, you know? Yes. Yeah. Not like yeah. the same, in a way that kind of makes it a bit easier for me to, to, swallow as well because because doing the odd gig here and there if they were the right gigs i think that would be that would be really cool um in fact you know somebody that i think i wouldn't say that i this was modeled after them but hell ripper you know james mcbain i don't know how familiar you are with hell ripper but that started as one he that's just him right so he does every i don't know if you're that familiar with him but he does everything himself really everything vocals all the yeah. music writing production yeah. Now, now he's got a label, but I think for the first sort of five or four or five years and a few releases, it was just him. And I, to my yeah. knowledge, 
wouldn't play live at all until he started getting to a, a size that was or a traction that was big enough where they could start not exactly cherry picking what they did but but they weren't going round on tour playing to one person in in you know scunthorpe yeah. or rainy yeah. Wednesday or something you know yeah. so i'd like that that model i would quite like to be able to do because i think you know, I've played in fucking tons of bands and so's Heather, you know, we've all done, and I'm sure you have as well, back when you guys started, you know, you've all done gigs where you play to one person and it's all a bit of a waste of time and it's a bit demoralizing, you know. Believe it, but believe it or not, believe it or not, the loads of bands I've been in are two. Acid Rain. And when, um, when Acid Rain packed up, I went and did uh, three years in Newcastle in a band called Strange Thing. Um, and they're the only two bands I've ever been in. And when we played our first gig with Acid Rain, we'd already signed a management deal, signed a record deal, and recorded our first album. And then we played our first ever show. That's amazing. Yeah, well, the thing, the thing is, there was no scene near us at yeah. all. So all we did was go back every back to the rehearsal room every Sunday, play our songs, and then get rid of them. Yeah. And play but and then write better ones and then write better ones and then write better ones. There was no gigs. There was no working towards a gig. There was nothing to distract from the the art of songwriting. So right. we just kept writing songs and they just kept getting better. And that's that's the point where we where we thought, Do you know what? We should record, we should record a demo because you know, this is this as far as we're concerned, this is this is good enough. So, um, yeah. so yeah, it, it was an absolutely bizarre situation, which the weird thing is now you, you can do that as well because exactly, you know, you can put it out there and you don't actually have to do any gigs until you've actually, you know, you've built it up over socials or, you know, you've got, you've got a good buzz and yeah. then you can start gigging. Whereas like I said, back then you normally, it was gig, 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 gig. And eventually you get somewhere, yeah. but it, we, we just did it all backwards. Way around. That's really yeah. interesting. I didn't realize that about you guys because obviously I was aware of you guys from back in the day. You know, yeah, you know it's it's a weird one. It's a weird one. We're also we're also the only band uh, Music for Nations ever signed in their entire history um, who were um, uh, well. What's the phrase? We weren't we weren't connected. They basically we were the only band who were uh, were they knew nothing about that. Wow. We sent a demo tape in and they went, yeah, we're we're going to sign this band. Everybody else came through a manager or through somebody who knew or do, like basically contacts. Yeah, yeah. But, um, we were the only ones who, who, you know, they they signed completely unknown. And was the demo was the demo tape that you sent in was that what effectively became the Moshkinstein EP or was there something before that? Uh, no, it, it that's exactly what it was. Um, and the de and and the demo again, you know. I, Regular listeners will be bored by this, but the demo was professionally produced. It had, you know, it had labels on the both sides. It had a full color cover, yeah. because the, you know, my thinking was at that time there's going to be a pile of there's going to be a desk full of C90s, yeah, and then there's <laughs> going to be and then there's going to be one that looks like it's already on a label. What's that doing there? It will stand out a mile. Um, and well, funnily enough, that's exactly what yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah that's, just, that's just good marketing, though, right? Which essentially is you're right. It's exactly what happens. Exactly what happens now. You know, bands can basically present stuff just like we have. You know, we don't have a label. We okay, we have a bit of PR help for this, but we don't have a label. We don't have management. We recorded it at home. You know, it was just, and you can do that. 
you know. And it's, yeah. I just want to say that says a lot about your music as well, being the only man that, that got signed off of a demo. That is amazing. You know, that says a lot about what was on that demo, doesn't it? Well, I, I, I think it does. But I also think I, I also think it says a lot about labels as well. Um, yeah. Certainly back then where it's like, can I be asked to listen to demo tapes when I've got management ringing me all the time and all these people who are constantly going at you saying, there's this band, there's this band, come see this band, come see that. So I can see, uh, you know, if I was a human being and I was in that job, what do you want to do? Slog through a load of fucking tapes that are mostly 99% shit. Yeah. Or do you want to go and see bands that have been pre-approved by somebody else mm. and said, this is worth your time? It's like a filter, isn't it? It's yeah, like everyone, but everyone's going to go down that route. Yeah. Every, yeah. And, and that's why I was convinced that we, we, we had to do something to make it stand out. But anyway, this interview is not about me at all. <laughs> it's about you guys, and I've slipped into that, so I do apologise. Um, so the funny thing is, Nige, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you've got a bit of a track record because... As listeners to this interview will realise, and have probably already knows, you, it seems that your first answer is no, and then you slowly <laughs> soften the no, and then it becomes a yes. So I look forward to the gigs, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'll wear him down. I just want to the Heather's life scarily persuasive, even from a distance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. I was going to say, well, from a distance. So, how, where about, whereabouts are you guys based? Oh, well, we're both, we're both in Bristol, but just in different, yeah, just in kind of each side of Bristol, basically. Yeah. Yeah, you can feel the vibes across the city, though. I'm just here, like, how long is it in a tractor from your house to hers? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to pick up the side or something. cheaper in the way. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's like, you, no, you're in a sports car. You're just stuck behind a tractor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, Obviously, um, you know, Bristol, I can think of some other thrash bands from around the area. Well, yeah, I mean, Onslaught obviously is the biggest thrash band, or certainly, I guess, well, I guess Onslaught, you guys, Zentrix and Sabbath, I suppose, are the four, if there was a big four of UK thrash, I guess that'd be those four. And obviously Onslaught is from is from here. Great band, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the Bristol scene's really cool at the moment as well. I think not just in the thrash area, but just generally. You know, we've got an amazing sort of metal pub called the Griffin, which is right. a um, yeah, it's just fantastic. You know, it's just it's a little, it's a tiny kind of triangular place, and the downstairs is a bar. And the guy John, the owner, is he basically stocks all these really obscure craft beers. Then upstairs is an equally small triangular venue. Uh, space and literally if it's got 30 people in there it's it's rammed you know right and he gets really big bands in there it's amazing it it, like the, the yeah. bands that play they, this is just wild you know it's, it's just got that culture behind it where people oh, that's play awesome there. it's great heather and i have both played there a bunch of times with with which this doom metal band we we're in but also separately um and then literally just around the corner from there um is i think the southwest and probably one of the only uk record stores that just stocks metal um wow called black city records which is just uh i think set up by a guy called david savage no relation weirdly um at least as far as we know i haven't actually ever asked it but i don't think so um <laughs> but um yeah so he basically set that up i think during lockdown or towards the end of lockdown he just thought fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna um i'm gonna open a metal record store and it's just it's and it's just brilliant it's you know? great proper record shop that's amazing. Mm. That is amazing. 
Black City Records and the Griffin are literally two minutes walk from each other. So it's kind of got this, it's kind of got a nice little, nice little, um, little kind of metal scene going on in this very small little corner of Bristol, you know. It's a great community as well. There's a really good, solid metal community here, which is great. And a lot of support for yeah. the local bands. And yeah, it's a really nice scene. So it's a great place to be, to be in a band. In. So, well, that's starting to sound more and more like, um, you know, you're going to get tempted into, uh, into playing some shows. That's for sure. <laughs> it's going to be weird playing these songs in a room with like, like actual for real, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it is. Because again, they existed, well, they still only exist, but you know, they existed as, as a, as a home recording thing, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like every step that we've taken on this has been really, really weird, you know, like getting it, properly produced and then actually and then the tie-up with with ferris as well which was just which was kind of just random and 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 fantastic you know and he's such a cool he's such a cool guy he's a legend, I, was gonna, I was gonna ask about that as well because that like came from nowhere um well, and i was like oh right because that's where i obviously i first heard first heard of you and and funnily enough i was like a uk he's using a guitarist from a uk thrash band and i haven't heard of them <laughs> uh, um, what's going on here <laughs> well so it was kind of i mean it's a bit of a nerdy it's a bit of a nerdy uh story really but so basically Excellent. yeah yeah so basically um i think we were just in touch on we just became twitter friends right as you do and so my day job is basically like an editor and writer and that kind of thing right, right. so i'd obviously anything I'd, that we anything that anybody would know it's worth you know <laughs> no, no, i basically i basically write marketing stuff for lawyers mainly in the us which is really random but so it's basically in the it's in the legal sector but so but that must be really useful as well because if you were writing adverts for lawyers in the uk it would be so restricted. It'd be like, literally, you'd have a list of 30 words you're allowed to use. Right. And that's that. Whereas <laughs> I imagine if it's for lawyers in the States, they should fucking say whatever they like. And they'll just put, and then they'll just read out a really speedy disclaimer at the end of it. Yeah. Well, it's generally, I mean, I don't want to talk about my job too much. Yeah, this. fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough, mate. But it's American lawyers, I think, are generally really good at kind of blowing their own trumpet. So if I sort of, it's my job to basically say to them, or ask them, tell me why you're great at what you do. And they're really, really good at that. So anyway, so that's my day job, sort of editing and writing and so on. Yeah. I obviously read Ferris's previous books, you know, the Rain in Blood book, oh, and, yeah. Then, yeah, and then yeah. the 66 and two thirds, the long form, the first edition of the of the, the Slayer biography. Right, right with you, buddy. Yeah. It's brilliant, right? And I think, and I messaged him at some point, and I can't remember how this happened, but I, and I, I, I think I messaged him at some point and said, hey, in case you're thinking about doing another edition, or maybe I already knew about the new edition. I said, if you need anyone to help you edit the book, then I'm an editor. I, that's my day job. And also, obviously, I'm a massive Slayer fan, so I can hopefully spot things that maybe are, you know. And he and I was really surprised that he replied after like an hour. And he was like, yeah, man, that would be really cool. You know, I'm approaching the end of the manuscript and I've nearly finished writing the updated version, blah, blah, blah. I'll send it to you. And I was like, okay, cool. So he kind of just got friendly because of that. And I think at some point, so the first step in kind of getting this EP released was I sent it to a few people on Twitter and that I kind of knew and I trusted. So I sent it to James from Hellripper. I sent it to a few guys in various podcasts. And I sent it to um, Ferris. By the way, everybody, he didn't send it to me. I had to track it down myself. 
But I didn't, I didn't know you then, man. <laughs> no, I would have sent it to you. <laughs> Next time, you'd be the first one to get it. Yeah, absolutely. You were. Um, so yeah, I, I basically kind of sent it to a few people and said, hey, what do you think of this? Do you think it's worth releasing? Because remember what I said before about, I think yeah. everything we do is, is average at best. Um, and everyone came back saying, yes, it's really great. But so I sent it to, Fer and I said, hey, look, hey, I've got this thing that we've recorded and it's ready to go. And really, obviously, Ferris is a big Slayer fan. And I was like, I'd really appreciate your opinion. And he, came, and he came back and I think it was almost his, it was almost his feedback that kind of made me really want to get it out there. Because what he said was, is, he said, this is fucking great. He said, is this going to be the next Rain in Blood? No. But is it good enough to be out there amongst other stuff that's being released and sort of stand, you know? Yeah, stand on its own two feet. Yeah, and he said, absolutely. He said, you've got to get this out there. And I was like, fuck, that's really cool. Because I think, you know, in, in the past, I'd always been a sort of like, well, if it's not as good as Rain in Blood and it's not as good as P-Cell, what's the, what's the point? But actually, that's kind of a really stupid... I realised that was a stupid... That's impossible goal, man. Yeah. There, so, there would be no thrash scene because every exactly. band would go, there's no point. <laughs> So that was that. So basically, so, so that was that. But then I didn't hear anything from him for a, a couple of months about yeah. the manuscript thing. So I just thought, oh, okay, well, maybe he decided to not, you know, whatever. And then one day I literally got an email from him saying, hey, man, two things. First of all, manuscripts ready. If you've got time, um, would you mind editing it and re sub you know, reviewing it and, you know, pick it apart and so on. And he said, point two, I'm launching an audio book and a and a podcast to go with the launch of the new edition of the book would you guys be willing to provide incidental music both you know he said i'd really like to use some chupacabra stuff but also can you can you basically record some snippet of slayer songs um and yeah. send them to me and what he wanted to do was almost do it in a bit of a broken down way so he said like can you record you know so for example i've done like um Hello Eights and Rain in Blood, Rain and Blood, for example, record all the you know, two guitars, bass, drums, sending me the whole thing. But then also, can you send me the individual stems? So he's got like, you know, one guitar or just the bass or just the drums. So he's so, and I was just like, wow, that's really cool. So over the following, I don't know, three weeks or month or so, I basically edited this whole manuscript. Wow. Um, and also re recorded a bunch of little Slayer, 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 Slayer snippets, and also sent him the sent him the full EP stuff, which he's which he's used here and there as well. So, yeah, so it's it kind of came out of it kind of came out of absolutely nowhere. I didn't know him at all, but now we've become. Yeah. Well, I've never met him, but yeah, you know, we've kind of become good good buddies. And, and I'm I'm if I ever find my way over to. I think he's in Akron, Ohio. If I ever find myself over there, then I'm buying him the biggest fucking beer imaginable, you know. <laughs> but this is how this is how life works these days. I mean, I you know I'm uh, you know I, I consider him a friend, and um, I, how did how did we meet? I, I wanted to get him on Talking Bollocks because I got I'd already got the Radiant Blood book. Um, I got Jeff and Dave years as soon as it came out, and I just thought. You know, this guy's a, a Slayer authority. I need him on the podcast. And I, I don't know how many years ago that was. Um, but funnily enough, episode with him coming up very, very soon. Oh, cool. um, and we did a Zoom. That's the first time I've even known what he looks like. Yeah, I know. So that was weird. He doesn't look anything like he sounds either. No, no. <laughs> but he's such a he's just such a good dude, you know, and he's been so generous to us in terms of like featuring our music, yeah. and giving us a big shout out. And 
you know, he's just a he's just a cool he's just a like like Heather was saying before about the about the metal community being so you know so great i just think he's a he's just such a he's such a good dude you know yeah and also it's worth mentioning at this point if you're listening and you wonder who this guy is dx ferris wrote a book um all about rain and blood he wrote a book called uh, 66 and two-thirds of the jeff and dave years which is about to be updated which is the best book on slayer i've ever read it's brilliantly researched you can find the answers to most questions you've ever had about slayer are written right there um and um he's a absolutely top dude and he's now got a podcast called talking slayer or talking slayer um and you should go and subscribe i'm a patreon um subscriber to that podcast it's awesome uh if you like slayer there's absolutely no reason why you're not subscribed to it so get to it now anyway enough of that yeah um have you you've been a singer before um and you you were suddenly given thrash metal to sing and by the sounds of it, you got in touch with your inner demons. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot in there that, that poured out. Um, yeah. yeah, was that was, was that conscious, or was it literally like when Nige was putting, you know, um, uh, the, the clowns tune together when he was putting that together and going, "Oh wow, this is actually did, was was it a kind of similar vibe for you, or did it take a bit of work?" If I've if I've got a lot of emotion in me, it's coming out in music in one way or another. I couldn't, yeah. I kind of when I'm creating something, I have to kind of get out of my own way a little bit. I don't think that sounds a bit weird. Like if I try and think, oh, I want to write a song about this, I want it to sound like that, it's shit. Yeah. Like all and I've learned over time over the years, like um the most um most enjoyment I get out of it, and actually that what creates better music, I think, is if I just kind of zone into the some emotions and some feelings about the thing what will come out won't necessarily be about that thing and quite often it's analogy burn the clowns is quite analogous and so is uh fortified by ashes but the emotions behind it are everything that was bubbling away in me that I was going through so it's kind yeah. of a really it's like my therapy it's like all this stuff that just like vented out yeah, yeah it's great but that's but we, we're back to that point again aren't we where yeah. you know it's it's got to be genuine you know yeah. it's got to be it's got to come from deep within yeah for two reasons for the music and also for my experience because what's the point if it's not you know it's yeah. not this isn't my career this is what I do this this is like my hobby my love in life you know I don't it's it's not about you know as I said we didn't have any plans for it it's not about writing good music it's about just wanting to create and create something real you know and express something I know what you mean because initially you just want to you just want to have some songs to play to people and mm -hmm. go what do you think of this and you just want to see the look on their face when they, when they go like <laughs> is that you <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like it's like you know, and you the buzz you get from playing those songs just to the inner circle the first time, mm. you know, and, and and you're getting all of that, you're getting all that positivity, mm. and which is which is great, and that's what you need. You need that inner sanctum because I think too too many bands will get to your stage and go right, you throw it out there, and everyone's told you how good it is, and you put it out there, and then you get the tidal wave of negativity. Yeah, you know, right. then that you go like yeah. fucking hell, guys. Really? I mean, this is mm -hmm. so done, and uh, and it's like, it's those bands who don't have an inner sanctum that I feel sorry for. Yeah, yeah. it's quite strange though, because um, because it's so deeply personal on an emotional level for me, it's like it's got like the bones and blood of me in that music. So it wasn't really about wanting people's reactions or wanting to share it. It was just it was really deeply personal. So it's really exposing to me that it's being released especially the next one. It's very, 
yeah, it's quite a strange experience. It's a little bit different to to other band stuff I've done because it was like a private recording. Yeah, all of that yeah. stuff was out of the way, so it was really just my space, you know. So it's a bizarre experience. I love it. I love that people are digging it. That is amazing, and it's amazing for Nigel because what he's done, I just think is, is just bloody brilliant, and he deserves that. Um, but for me, it's like, oh, this is all my inner. <laughs> I hope people can't make out what I'm saying. Uh, well, the good look. The good news is have that that nobody will know what it's. It's like you, your yeah, experience yeah. of that tune. No one else is going to have that. I do. I I I, I sort of I sort of get it. Um, mm. But I'm long down the route of, for want of a better phrase, exposing myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> To, you know, and my emotions to uh, to a, to a wider audience, you know, <laughs> especially in stand up. I mean, you know, there's no hiding oh, place there. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, totally. I've often thought that stand up is the most is almost the bravest thing that anyone can do on yeah. stage. Oh, yeah. Now you see, now you see that 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 I have an issue with. Really? So, yes. Yeah. Um, there is not one single comedian alive who is fucking brave. The reason they're on stage is their ego means they have to be there. They don't have a choice. That's they are there because they have to be there. Even comedians who don't like public, who don't like people looking at them, who are, I mean, because, you know, if you think musicians are a bunch of freaks and weirdos, you're fucking wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you go into a comedy dressing room. There they are. Oh. And, and, and a unique bunch of misfits. But yeah, yeah, people, people absolutely paralyzed with with fear and nerves, forcing themselves out there because they have to do it. And the reason it's it's not brave if you're choosing to do it. But speaking in public is something that most people have a natural fear of. And most people have also got a a genuine fear of it because they've been forced to do it. Anyone's experience of public speaking is being forced to do it, forced into the front of the class, forced at assembly, forced in front of uh, a meeting, forced in front of colleagues, forced to pit. Everybody's always pushed to do it. And 99% of people don't want to do it. Right. So that's completely understandable. But the 1% is who are doing it and fucking love it. They are not brave mm -hmm. at all. They that's have to be there. That's really yeah. interesting. That's yeah. like validation, ego validation. They just—it's like an addiction to external validation, just having to get up and and yeah, and expose yourself. A lot of comedians are rubbish yeah. off stage, but when they're on stage, they're in charge. Mm -hmm. Everybody likes them. They—it's—it's it's the unconditional love of strangers, and mm -hmm. that is—that's what it's—that's what it's all about. And the the thing is that, um, having met a fireman, and um. He he didn't tell me that he thought I was brave. He just said he couldn't do it. And I said, yeah, but we know the score, don't we? And we had a little chat and he was like, yeah, I'm not brave. Not in the least. I said, yeah, you, you're addicted to fucking running into a burning building while everyone's running out. He was like, I fucking love it. Wow. wow. That's so interesting. He yeah. said, I'm not, he said, I'm not brave. I fucking love doing this. I have to run in to it. He said like, it's, you know, I, if I'm driving down and I see a fire, I have to pull over and try and help. It's like, it's just, I can't explain yeah. it. You know, and so people do, you know, it doesn't yeah. always lead to being on a stage. People have their thing and people listening to this, 
have their thing that they have to do. And unfortunately, mostly society takes advantage of these people because you have to be a nurse, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a teacher. And so you have to live on shit money. Yeah. And no hours, you know, and no time to yourself. But that's why the state takes advantage of these people, because they know they can, because they know they have to do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You're right. Usually, invariably, a calling is really badly paid because society in general takes advantage of these people. Mm. Yeah. And and yet they're in really important areas. Like people who are going to look after your kids and people who are going to make sure you don't die. They're quite important. And they're some of the lowest paid people in the fucking planet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But hey, I don't know how the fuck we've ended up here. (laughs) (laughs) My apologies. I've completely fucking taken over your interview. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Well, just have back to back to your vocals. I mean, if you have you thought about doing this live? So I was in another band doing live, actually after Chupacabra, I joined a band called Cybervoid and I did um, a bunch of gigs for Cybervoid that also went down really well, which was great. Actually, I did a gig the other night for the Metal to the Masses finals, which I had four days notice for, which was hilarious. My friend's band, Virtual Reality, Um, he turned up on Monday, was like, our singer can't make the finals, can you fill in? I was like, when's the gig? He's he's like, Saturday. I was like, oh Christ, that's only a few days. Um, Give me the tracks then, I'll see what I can do. He's like, there aren't any. You just got to make it up. I was like, well, that's too hilarious not to do. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> then I got, when we had phone practice on Friday night, went down the Griffin, got absolutely trashed. And um, I was in my hangover pit until an hour before the gig before we went on stage, <laughs> dragged myself out of the last minute and turned up. Bloody hell. <laughs> that's, that's pretty epic. That. I'd lived the whole, the whole gig. It was hilarious. It was the weirdest gig I've ever done. I can imagine. no yeah. words. I just, just made up utter. Bollocks. So they so so they so they've got a singer who just makes it up, or they've no no they've got proper songs, but there's no recordings of them. So they they had nothing ah, to show me. Right, okay, right, yeah. So um, and I didn't really get a chance to listen to the songs very much either. But it's a quite a good idea if you think about it, because I was thinking like if somebody comes to me and says you got you know four days and we're doing a gig and be like all oh, right, yeah. but it's all right, you don't have to learn any lyrics, you can just make it up. I'd be like oh right, yeah. okay, I mean, that's all you yeah. can do. Right? Well, I, I can get yeah. on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> It's tech metal as well, right? Which made it even more hilarious. <laughs> it's a tech metal band. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. That's a it mission and a so half. It was so funny. It was, it was brilliant. I, I enjoyed it so much. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting thing to do. I just wish yeah. I hadn't done a hangover. That, that is insane. <laughs> that is, yeah. I've done lots of improv. I've done lots of singing. I've never, yeah. never yeah. combined the two. Oh, well, I have, because there's a good chance I'm going to forget the words in one gig I will forget the words to some songs yeah it just makes sounds don't you yeah I, I'd, have, I'd have been fairly confident with it had I've known the songs but I didn't know the songs so I was kind of basically you know you can kind of tell when there's going to be a turnaround it's like yeah, yeah. there's going to be one soon is this a four or an eight and then just waiting for it to start and see if it's different and then seeing if it's a bit melodic because a lot of their stuff is just crazy sounding like tech that's like, oh there's mad. a melodic section i'll get the melody and then i'll just come in and, and scream some random shit over it it's so funny but wow. people loved it no, it, sounded, it, sounded good. it sounded really good i mean i wasn't i wasn't at the gig but i've seen some footage over there had the videos afterwards. And it's like <laughs> if you didn't know that it was completely fucking ad-libbed you wouldn't you wouldn't you would never know you know it, it really right have please please send me send me a clip because we've oh, talked no. about this terrible phone videos <laughs> but we yeah but that's what that's that's all anything people are used to watching that shit 
But I'd I'd love to send I'd love to add a clip to the description because we've really? talked about it. People people will be okay, listening okay. to this and they'll be going, oh, that's, I, I, that's something I want to seek out. Or at least if I was <laughs> listening to it, I would because that's why I'm saying, can I have a clip? Well, virtual reality have, have posted a little phone video of it on their Facebook, so I can link it for you if you like. Brilliant. All right. So everybody, there'll be a link in the description. <laughs> that's going to be interesting. That is. That really is. So. Um, just, I mean, look, you know, finishing up here, I, I kind of keen to sort of find out, you know, is, is there a time scale here? Um, I mean, I know you said possibly you've got, is it next singles in August? So the next single um, is July the 11th. Sorry, so July the 11th. A couple of weeks time. Um, that's called Final Time to Die. It's, um, ugh, I mean, it's, I would say more of the same. It's like fucking fast, fucking heavy um it's got some i guess it's got a some slayerisms in there um which is never a bad thing um and then the ep then the ep is released on the 4th of august fortified with ashes um on all streaming platforms and stuff um yeah and as i said then afterwards i think my plan when i've spoken to the pr to claw hammer a bit about it and the plan i think is to try and get something else out before christmas so as i said so we're working on three more songs as i said music's done we're working on three more songs at the moment um i think heather's pretty much done vocals for one of them called queen of swords which is sounding fucking sick so there's two more basically we need to sort of think you know sort of hash out the vocals for but you know yeah. i think last time when we were when we were writing the first three they came pretty quickly i think or yeah. at least from my, from my perspective, it came pretty quickly. I think Heather came up with, you know, here's some ideas. And mm. then it was like, I think there were a couple of tweaks here and there. And yeah, what, why don't we do this here? And why don't we do this here? But it all came together pretty quickly. And then it was recorded pretty quickly. Yeah, Heather managed to, to track all the vocals really, really efficiently and so on. So it shouldn't take too long. Mm. And then obviously we just send it all off to, to winter down in uh, Stink Studios in Brighton. And um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the plan is, that's as far as the plan we've got up until probably the end of the year. And yeah. then I think we'll just see what happens next year. You know, there's three more, I guess there's three more songs musically that we could then work on vocally. Again, whether we release those separately as a third EP, whether we put the whole thing together and release it as an album, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, I mean, you know, whether it's a label or you put it out yourselves or whatever, I, you know, I, I wish you all the best. It's, Thank um, you very much. I, it's, it's Thank a great, you. I mean, it's a, Thanks, as a debut, you know, EP, really impressed and um and i'll play some on the podcast as well because it's like you know before before the interview because yeah, um well, you know it's going to be a good idea for people to actually be able to hear um you know what we're talking about yeah well thanks man we really appreciate you inviting us on as well and obviously you know without wanting to be a be a sort of uh kissing your ass or whatever obviously given your obviously given your pedigree you know you know your shit right you know you know what you're talking about you've been in the thrash world for fucking 35 years or whatever it is you know so, yeah it longer than that believe it or not longer than that you know yeah yeah it's frightening yeah, well, me, too. <laughs> me too i was you know, I, I was 16 in i was 14 in 1986 so i was right in the middle right in the middle of the thrash explosion was just when i was a right when I was discovering all this music and it was just fucking unbelievable. Well, I, I was, I was 16. And, and the thing is now, like, you know, we're, but we're the same age basically, but 14 and 16, that's like being 20 and 30. Oh, exactly. 
yeah, yeah. yeah those, those two years at that age are huge you've got different groups of friends like yeah. you know that yeah like your mates you know your your mates are with uh, mates with the younger brother and the other the older brother has those mates you know and it's yeah, yeah. but i know i know exactly what you mean you're a, a ripe age to absolutely you know just completely absorb yourself in it that's that's what happened to me yeah i mean it was crazy i mean i was so i didn't i didn't have any older brothers or sisters my sister is younger than me um and so with me it just came through and i was a bmx kid so i was into bmx right. before i, I was yeah before i discovered music and so i was the bmx kind of group of people that from my school used to hang out and there were a lot of older kids there and again you're right so they were probably they were 15 and six i was like say 13 and they were probably 15 and 16 so to me they felt like you know 25 or something you know yeah but they were kids as well and i think so metal came to me through that route you know and um one of my yeah one of my friends at school basically gave me this c90 and said fucking listen to this and one side was power slave and the other side was ride the lightning and this would have been you know, probably, uh, probably like mid eighty, mid nineteen eighty five. The eighties, ladies and gentlemen, fucking, yeah. you cannot <laughs> fucking knock them, eh? No. <laughs> and yeah, my mind was just fucking. I was thirteen in the middle of eighty five, and yeah, and I remember listening to Power Slave and just being like, "Fucking hell, I've never heard anything like this." And I just yeah. kept listening to it and kept listening to it, and kept listening to it. Didn't even listen to side B. And my mate was then like, oh, so did you listen to Side B? Listen, did you listen to Metallica? I was like, no, fucking Maiden. He said, fucking, he said, fucking listen to it, fucking listen to Side B. So I went home and I listened to Side B. And imagine that, man, the first time I'd ever heard, like, the beginning of like, Fire with Fire. And I was just yeah. like, what the fuck is this? And my yeah. mind was fucking blown. That's it. So... Yeah. yeah. I, and, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised in the least because that's, I mean, that's just phenomenal you know get trying to get those two albums down your ears you know back to back is just ridiculous as the um, metal i'd ever heard you know well, what i found as well because i discovered metal through my, my older sister's friends they introduced me to metal but then i discovered thrash so that, and so i i was going like hey guys listen to this and of course they were all like mm, it's too fast and i was like <laughs> no this is fuck this is the shit this is great this is what's and 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 that was the thing. It was that dividing line between there was like and and really, you know, we're talking about the 80s here and you know, really dating ourselves. But the point is, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't you know, don't know the era, here are the genres of heavy metal that existed. Heavy metal. That's it. Exactly. You're right. Yeah. And 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 so when Thrash came along, yeah. for fuck's sake, that was that was for me. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I think also it's like every musician is just an obsessive fan. That's mm. why obsessive fans out there, bands love you. Because that's what bands are made up of. Obsessive yeah. fans. So obsessed that actually just being a fan wasn't enough. They are, mm. you know, we are so obsessed that we had to actually make the music because listening mm -hmm. to it is so good. Surely making it, you're chasing that high. It's going to be even better. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, you're right. I mean, I think I'm probably now almost more of an obsessive fan than I ever was, than I ever, you know, because I think there's yeah. so much, there's so much fucking great metal being released every week, you know, and it's just, it's hard to keep on top of, 
You know, that's, think- re- that's really interesting to hear from somebody of, of our era as well, because there'll be a lot of people of our era listening to this going, well, really? I thought yeah. all new metal was shit. No, I mean, the thing is, I thought that I, I've not been as excited about new, I don't mean new metal with a U, I'm talking new metal as in new, newly released metal. Yeah. I haven't been excited since, since the 80s as I have in the past three or four certainly three or four years i just think there's so much stuff out there that's great across all genres you know there's some great thrash there's some great death metal out there i'm not a huge black metal fan but some of it i really love there's some great doom stuff and it's just it's yeah it's there are bands that are doing stuff which is not just a ripoff of you know trying to sound like testament or trying to sound like exodus there's bands who are actually taking that as a starting point, but then mixing it with black metal or mixing it with death metal or mixing it with whatever it might be to create something fresh, but still with one foot in, in, in the eighties stuff that is the reason we all love it in the first place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely and completely agree. I really do. Um, but um, Hey, look guys, it's been a pleasure. I, and thank you for being so generous with your time as well. Cause I've you know kept you a good long while. No, no, thank you. It's been great. We could speak for another three hours. <laughs> and, don't, about- and don't worry, listeners, we will be. We're just not going to record it. I can talk about metal with anybody for hours and hours and, and have done on many occasions. <laughs> That's why nine years ago I set up this podcast. Exactly. Yeah, right. it had to be done. Well, look, uh, uh, Heather, Nigel, thank, you, thank so you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank it's you, man. Thank Thanks you very much. So how's that for a little bit different intro, hey? You've got the whole podcast up front. Yeah, well, do you know what? Being in my 10th year of podcasting, and some of you you guys have been with me that long, but for anyone who's been with me for any length of time, I just want to prove that I can still surprise you. Even though we've been together this amount of time, I can still surprise you with something like this. And that's why we work together. And that's why we're still here. It just works. So, there you go. If you're new here, yeah, they're never like this. Um, Hi, my name's Howard H. Smith. I do this, that. It seems so ridiculous to do the intro now, so I'm not going to do it. But, yeah, patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. Fuck off there and please Get all the lo- the lovely extra content of which there's fucking tons. I'm not a, one of those Patreon fucking dicks who does nothing for you. You get loads. But anyway, that's it. That's the whole intro up front done there. Up front from behind. And I haven't even talked about the, inter- the, the interview um, with, uh, with Heather and Nigel. Fucking great. Loved it. Another benefit of the... Um, Talking Slayer, the podcast with uh, DX Ferris, D as in David, X as in X-Ray, Ferris like the wheel. Talking Slayer, you need to sign up there. You heard all about the man, and um, it's a great podcast. I've signed up. I'm also signed up through Patreon, of course, to support my fellow uh, broadcaster, writer, uh, creative genius. Call DX what you will, but he certainly knows how to do some research. He's like the opposite of me. So there you go. Uh, There's me just doing adverts for other podcasts. I'll do another one for you. Um, 
Yeah, don't forget to get on Paul Wallace, um, A Year in Horror. I'm always mentioning that. I'm on there occasionally, but we do a Patreon-only show together on movies, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, so you can, you know, check that out as well if you want, A Year in Horror. So it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's a bit wonky. It's a bit the wrong way round. But you know what? You can be relied on, guaranteed. Yep. It's news it's no news being brought to you as news um so oh by the way before i go into the news just say yeah there's there's the the interview the interview video is up but given the way i've done this podcast there was no chance to tell you about it so there you go didn't think that through did i so uh yeah if you want to watch the video Go over to the YouTube. Go over to the YouTube. That makes me sound like I'm a hundred. Oh, go over to the YouTubes. Go over to them. What? No, you don't understand what you're talking about. Um, so, um, there will be a link to their Bandcamp page. Get the EP. It's fucking great. Come on, you've heard one song already. Get down there. Um, also, there is a link for tickets to my show in Bristol, which is the um, spoken word thing I do, The Secret History of Thrash. So come along to that. Click the link. Um, now, back to where I was nearly about, the news. Well, it's not news, is it? Right? OK. So, um, first of all, actually, this is news. This is fucking great. Don't listen to me. Right. Legendary there's a word that gets used a little bit too often, doesn't it? But legendary producer Scott Burns, yes, uh, uh, is a focus of a new book, The Scott Burns Sessions, A Life in Death Metal, 1987 to 1997. Despel Books has announced the publication of this book, a massive 480-page oral history of the celebrated Morrisound uh, recording career of iconic metal producer and engineer Scott Burns. You can get your copy now at store.decibelmagazine.com. I'm not putting a link in the description for you lazy bastards. Yeah, store.decibelmagazine.com. Not that one. If it's a shitty one, fair enough, but come on. No, you're not having a link for that. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. So, yeah, there you go. Um, it sounds really cool. Sounds really cool. Um, it looks at individually over 100 extreme metal albums um, by nearly 70 bands that Burns recorded throughout his career. Um, it's a lavid hardcover book by David Gielke. That's right. This podcast has been going so long. I had DA David Gielke on here. That's how I know how to pronounce his bloody name. I had him on here years ago when he did a book about the Black Album. So, yeah. Cool. Have to get him back on for this one. He'll have done a brilliant job. So anyway, get stuck into that. Um, what else been happening? KK Downing has been moaning. Uh, I, there's so much entitlement in this. Um, he was asked about ever rejoining the band. Now, I must say, again, he's asked the question. OK, he's asked the question. Fine, fine, fine. I'm not saying stop banging on about it. Yeah, I'm saying... I don't like his answer to the question. Well, I asked them if they wanted me to step back into the role a couple of times in writing, and the answer came back no. So it was, well, that's that. And then I went, okay, fine. I'll start my new pound, which I have done. And I'm really happy because I've rediscovered... I mean, I wrote all the material back in the day. It's kind of nice to be putting material down, just say what, say what goes, and uh, and that's it. 
without having to collaborate and everything takes so long it's just great to get on with it so you kind of know where that's coming from that whole reply yeah but i mean just the i asked them if they wanted me to step back into a role a couple of times in writing and the answer came back no imagine you've kicked a guy out of a band yeah and you're busy writing a new album and he sends a message going want a hand didn't we tell him to fuck off already <laughs> haven't you written a book about it I'm not going to go on about that anymore. Fuck it. Yeah, let's move on, shall we? Speaking of moving on, yeah? Fucking hell. If I read another article, so-and-so of so-and-so speaks out against venues taking cuts of artists' merchandise sales. You're basically paying to play. It's just another bullshit quote from another artist, um, and you're weakening the impact of... I don't know, the message, if you like. Oh, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe it's repetition. Maybe it bears repetition. But I, I get to the stage now where it's like, everybody's just like, yeah, that's right. You know, and no one's coming out with anything constructive to say. There's a headline. But just another artist going, you're paying to play. Uh, I don't ask for a cut of the bar, etc., etc. You know, it's like, guys, let's, let's, just, let's just fucking try and do something about it instead. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Here's something else I don't want to watch, but I seem to be seeing a lot of it. Watch Vince Neil performs Motley Crue Classics at 2023 Blue Ridge Rock Festival. No doubt there will have been a barbecue not far away. Um, It's amazing to me that Vince Neil is the member of Motley Crue's getting the most stick for his live performance, and yet he will rock up fucking anywhere and play with any backing band and knock out old Motley Crue tunes... And P keeps getting asked to do it. So, you know, fair play to him. Fair fucks to Vince, eh? If he can tear himself away from the barbecue long enough to sing a fucking few old Motley Crue tunes, then fucking good for him. Watch Metallica's Robert Trujillo joins Suicidal Tendencies on stage. No, I don't need to. The whole story's right there. Watching it, I can imagine what unfolds there. See original... Here's another one. Here's another one. See original ACDC singer Dave Evans perform band's classic songs in Cordoba, Argentina. I can think of a load of things I'd want to go to Argentina for, but I'm afraid watching Dave Evans perform... But let's say, let's be honest, ruin songs that you've heard by better singers? No. Not interested, thanks. The gift that keeps on giving. Dave Mustaine says playing with Marty Friedman again was very sentimental. Yeah, that's the article right there. I agree, Dave. That was it. And finally, Chad Kroger from, I think that's how you pronounce it, from Nickelback. There's a, uh, from this day forward, Chad Kroger will no longer talk about hate for Nickelback. He says he hopes Nickelback's official documentary, Hate to Love, Nickelback will be the last word on the waves of backlash he and his bandmates uh, faced amid their commercial success and he has no plans ever to address it again. And to be fair, I'm going to watch this movie because I've heard nothing but really, really good things about Chad Kroger from everybody who's ever worked with him. Crew, artists, and that is very, very fucking rare. You'll hear plenty of shit about me. I'm a wanker. But honestly, seriously... I'm going to be looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Nickel Mac movie or the Nickel Mac movie or the Nickelback movie even. 
Remember where you heard it first, yeah. Anyway, so that's your podcast. Hope you enjoyed uh, enjoyed the Brandon Batic chat that uh, I threw at you as an extra. Really enjoyed doing that. Brandon's going to be coming back again as well, so make sure that you keep it right here. Tune in. Yeah, that's one for the old school to Talking Bollocks. Thank you very much for having uh, having me in your ears. It's lovely to be in your ears. Always has been, always will be. Thanks a lot. Support the podcast, you know, review, share, send me money, the usual shit. Hope you enjoyed this bit of fuckery. Fancy the change. And when I've got a tune I'm allowed to play with permission from the band, I'm going to fucking play it up front. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play it fucking again. Yeah.